0: on the Voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and indeed a warm welcome Barak to each and every one of our listeners on this beautiful day it's a Juma, indeed the 19th of Muharram 1438 corresponding with the 21st of October 2016 our Naseekha program is with Sheikh Ashif Daman this morning speaking about the Hijratun Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and we'll give you a brief interview of, of Sheikh and his history inshallah a little bit later um, that is all about the Naseekha program but not forgetting your market updates as well um, just our listeners a reminder that there are still tickets available for the Maharam Family Picnic Day in Minitown. It's a family park at Malgo Strand in the West Coast, happening on the 30th of October. Now, there's lots of prizes that will be given away on the day as well. Adult entry tickets, only 60 rand, and your bus ticket, also only 60 rand, so if you haven't booked by bus, make sure that when you book your ticket, also to book your bus ticket. Kids under 12, only 40 rand, lots of entertainment, games, swimming on the day, food vouchers available on pre-order only. So for that, you may contact Antisokane at OAT two seven eight six five six two seven away oh, two seven eight six five six two seven and that is um is it on our all hours or after hours Only and then we also have tickets available At the series of the Voice of the Cape 21 double O Number 2 Queen's Park Road And at Taz Boutique Gatesville 021-633-1367 That is with regards to our Muharram Family Picnic happening on the 30th of October 2016 Inshallah. So our listeners also just A reminder of our Pink Hijab Inshallah happening on Tuesday Coming on the 25th of October at Masjid that That is with the um House, um, Executive Housewives class of um, Sheikh Abdurrahman Alexander Inshallah, we are really looking To meet all of our listeners, we know that Last year we had close to a thousand people We're looking to have way more this time around So a special invitation is being extended To all those on the west coast Whether you're in Simonstown, um, in the Boerland Worcester, Wellington, please come along and come And join us on this beautiful day For a worthy cause as well, Inshallah But as promised, we're going to be focusing on our Friday Nasihah, um, in just a while We have Sheikh Gashiv Daman in Stee- with us and i'm going to just you know to our listeners a little bit of the history that I know of, of Sheikh Ashif Damun Alhamdulillah <laughs> And he's looking at me with big eyes Sheikh Asalaamu Alaikum to <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> Asalaamu Alaikum Alhamdulillah Sheikh Ashif Damun is the son the elder son of um, Hajj Amalia and the late um, um, Haji Ismail uh, Damun and studied in Medina Alhamdulillah Sheikh is also the Hatib at the Palm Tree Masjid um, he's since in Karate so please he's got a black belt <laughs> don't mess with him a host of the hajj class as well as taking people on hajj subhanAllah being um, you know a wonderful um, uh, person to travel with, mashallah, mm-hmm. and then also Sheikh conducts marriage classes. But, you know, after all, we're looking at Sheikh teaching the holistic being of how to be in the path of Allah subhanahu amen. wa ta'ala. Sheikh warm welcome. And assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam
1: wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I
0: know the series is way too long, so we've <laughs> just, you know, chopped it down to a little bit of a short one, but, you know, a stranger to the airways of the voice of the Alhamdulillah. Shah. Alhamdulillah. So today we're focusing on the, the hijrat to Nabi, subhanAllah. That amen. is the topic for this morning. To our listeners, we will be going for our I'll break so do stay tuned friday nasiha on the voice of the cape Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi Good morning to all our non Muslim listeners. And we know that, you know, there's uh, such ardent listeners sitting attentively. And um, I've I have the experience where we know that, um, personally, I know that lots of people sitting at the radio, non Muslims, and sharing the message of the nasiqah um, with their Muslim daughters and um, sons, alhamdulillah. Um, so all we can ask Allah is to guide them. Um, SubhanAllah. Um, um, Shaykh Ashraf Damon in Syria with us this morning to speak about the Nabi. Um, SubhanAllah. And I think it's a topic that we, you know, we can speak of um, at length, al-
1: Alhamdulillah. <laughs> alhamdulillah. There's a lot of dynamics behind, uh, you know, hidden lessons that, that, yes. that I feel need to be learned in terms of the hijrah to Nabawiya Sarif. Alhamdulillah. And, and one of the lessons is, is like, um, you know, the discussion of the hijrah was long before. In fact, the people of Medina they came to Makkah to To already tell Aunabi that we they oh, want Nabi to come, and they they had a different dynamics on that side because they had to sell the idea to the people of Medina to say, senior, um, uh, can we let this man come? He will guide us. He will assist us. He will lead us, and all those kind of things. So they had a you know situation where they had to motivate and 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 sell the idea. And some of the people weren't so okay with it in Medina, but eventually they were forced to, uh, and then they came. Twice to our Nabi from Somebody Medina, uh, and they met our Nabi at a place called Aqaba, and that is predominantly known as where Jammaratul Aqaba is. Right? And they came twice there, the people of Medina, particularly it was the people of Quba that came there. And uh, when they got there, <coughs> they uh, said to our Nabi the last time there twice the first one was the first uh, bay'ah, and the second one was uh, called the second bay'ah. And at the second way, they actually said to on, "This is actually the mindset behind the people of Medina that we need to understand, or even the people of those times. You know for them to 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 earn Jannah was greater than earning worldly benefits." You understand? So, um, when, when, when they came to our Nabi, sallallahu sallam, they said to our Nabi, Ya Rasulullah, we are ready to, to accept you, we are ready to receive you, we, the community is ready for you, everybody is in Medina ready for you. So, our Nabi said, That's fine, I, I, I am ready to come, I'm just waiting for instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is another highlight that our listeners need to no, take note of. In fact, our Nabi did decide to go, he needed to go, but he needed to get an instruction as to when to go, right? So our Nabi says, I'm ready to come, um, but I've got a, a request from you guys. If I do come and somehow my teachings disturbs the community, I want you people that is here today with me now to promise that you will always support me, even if it means that you're going against my, your own parents. <laughs> so they is we agree that we're never going to step, uh, um, you know, we're going to support you, we will fight for you, whatever, even if it means that we must fight against our own parents. So um, then, the people of Medina, the Ansari, they says, okay, we accept that, we will do that, but we want you to make a promise to us. So I wanna be asked, what is the, what is that they wanted wanted yeah. for me? So they said, if you succeed in years to come, in other words, after your hijrah, and you succeed and you rule countries and you conquer this and you do that and the other, will you promise that you will never leave us?
0: Subhanallah.
1: In other, in other words, you're not going to come back to your your city of birth. So he, our Nabi says, right there, I promise. Therefore, you will find that after the conquest of Makkah, our Nabi went back to Medina. He didn't stay in Makkah because his birthplace was in Makkah. He said, no, I made a promise to those people I will stay there. And that is why, alhamdulillah, to the Qudra of Allah, our Nabi died there. Our Nabi then went back to his chambers. <coughs> and then as time went... The, 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 the people of the Quraysh, <coughs> their children the, who embraced Islam then, they actually knew the plans because it was their parents that was planning against our Nabi. Mm. And they were now telling our Nabi a, a while ago that he must migrate because they're going <coughs> to kill him. Our says, No, I, I will, but I need to wait for instructions from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. Eventually, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to him, He must migrate that particular night. That night, when he was asked to leave, was the night. his assassination in other words that night already the Quraysh has put people in place to kill our nabi so this was the procedure actually in fact they didn't want one person to kill him they actually selected from all the tribes inside makkah one member of the tribe to be part of the assassination so that if in the event our nabi dies then nobody can or will be blamed Mm -hmm. for his death because if you do kill somebody you must remember that you must pay blood money so no one person will be responsible for the blood money and they cannot blame all because they don't know which knife was the cause of his death so the instruction was that they're gonna assemble in front of our nabi's home (coughs) and for those who don't um or have have been in makkah our nabi's home his backyard of his house was towards kifite street for those who know Makkah, that's not existent anymore. And his house front door was faced towards the Haram. So he was towards Sai Street. So our Nabi sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then was inside the house and the revelation was ca- coming now that he must leave tonight. By the same time, the Quraysh were already outside waiting for him to leave. If he should leave that night, they would just jump on him and stab him, stab until he lays dead. Right. So subsequently... Our Nabi then sent a message out to Abu Bakr and to the people say, said, listen, I'm making hijrah tonight. Abu Bakr says, if you are making hijrah tonight, I'm going with you. Then he called on Sadna Ali and okay. he says to Sadna Ali, radiallahu anh, I want you to sleep in my bed right? Uh, tonight. In fact, Allah has instructed him to let Sadna Ali sleep in his bed for, 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 for many reasons. And I'm going to try to cover some of the reasons. One is that the Quraysh never had a tough for Sadna Ali. So if they do, the mission was that if our Nabi don't, if he's not coming out tonight, then tomorrow m- morning we will go in Go in, and we will stab him. If he's laying on his bed, we will just kill him. So if they should, number one, they, sh- they would not mistake Ali for our Nabi. Why? Because St. Ali was a short man. Our Nabi was a very average height person. So they would know this is not Muhammad's laying on this bed. So they won't kill him, number one. They won't make a mistake, number one. Number two, they won't kill Zidna Ali if they do find him on the bed of Zidna Rasulullah Why? Because his father was a loyal supporter Supposed of the Quraysh. Right? And due to that, they honor that so they will preserve the children of the man that honored us, which was the uncle of our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi
0: Wasallam.
1: And then the other reason why our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam also asked Na'ali Ali to stay in his bed and sleep in his bed was because our Nabi was like a, a treasury or a, a safety deposit box. He used to run the safety of monies. In other words, if I have monies and I am leaving now for the country for about two months and I want to leave this money with a person safe, then they would give it to Muhammad. No, no, knowingly no. that they should come back, the money will still be there. So he was like, he, he served that as that. That was his portfolio in Makkah in amongst the general public, inshallah. So Sidna Ali was responsible, uh, was given that responsibility. After Anabi leaves, to make sure that those amanat, those monies at the hands of people, had to be given to them after our Nabi was gone.
0: Inshallah. i um, Shaykh, on that note, not our listeners, we go for us, but we'll be back. Stay tuned. Friday nasiha on The Voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum and indeed a warm welcome to our listeners. Ninety-one point three FM audio streaming at www.veusfm.co.za. with Zeriu program, conducted by Sheikh Kashif Daman this morning, focusing on the Hijratul
1: Nabie. nabi Alhamdulillah. wa ala And uh, yeah. So in the event of Sidna Ali being in charge of the the wealth or the monies of the people that was entrusting on Nabi with those monies, his job was after Nabi has gone to make sure that those people get their monies. So nobody will invade the house or will steal or take things if Sidna Ali is in the house. So that was one, one consolation our Nabi had to sort that out. Now he had to leave. And he had to leave the front door because he could not leave from the back door. Um... The reason why he couldn't leave from the back door is because Abu Sufyan was his back door neighbor. Mm-hmm. Abu Sufyan was the main person what behind do? the lobbying against Abi Prophet. So he was staying right behind Abi Prophet. So he had to leave from the front door. And by the time when he had to leave from the front door, already the Quraysh and the allies were already congregating in front of his house, waiting for him to come out to attack him. So he didn't. Um, I had to. This, and some of I say, our Nabi took thing. some of the sand off, And this is one thing that, that when I think about it, uh, it 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 brings you know uh, sadness within my heart. Why? Because he just had to bend down on his f- on the floor and take some of the sand that it was like and just by his front doorstep. Like none of us have sand in our houses. Our mm-hmm. Nabi, the greatest man, that he had a little bit more sand there before you get the carpets. You understand? And that was the type of line that they had. It was very simple. And now, when I took from the sand and he recited, some ulama say he recited from the beginning of Surah Yasin until this particular verse. Some ulama say he only recited that particular verse. And the verse was, And it means that, oh Allah, make between me and them a sadd. And a wood sad, you know, is a screen. So that they uh, so and Behind them a screen So that they may not see me And uh, deceive them So that they may not see me And he took that sand And he threw it over the, in the air Well, obviously the sand didn't do nothing The sand was like in the air And it dropped But it is not the matter of the sand But it's the matter of the verse In the power of Allah Subhanahu <laughs> He threw it over in the air And our Nabi walked through them Past them And they say if they could smell our Nabi, they would have been smelling our Nabi because they how close our Nabi was past their faces, moving past him, walking in between the crowd in order to go on hijrah. And then he went to Abu Bakr's home, and from Abu Bakr's home, they went to Jabalathur. Now, Jabalathur is in the opposite direction of Medina. In other words, Medina, uh, is aw- um, Jabalathur is away from Medina's direction. And the reason why our Nabi did that was because... He actually didn't wanted to go to Medina's direction because Medina's direction is more flat, and there's a bit little hiding place. And the Quraysh are the best trackers in the world. You know, I know that the the Oetentod Busman that was here, they were the trackers. They were of, trackers, yes. yeah. But the Arabs in the time of Makkah were the best trackers in the world, and it is proven. Like for example, I had Nabi gone in the direction of of Medina, they would have tracked him down easily. You know. But he went to Jabal al Why? Because there was a hiding place. He could hide somewhere. There was caves that he could hide in. And, and it's proven because they knew I was coming to Medina. But when they tracked him, they didn't even go in the direction of Medina. Now he's going to Medina. They went directly in the direction where he went. And that was Jabal al-Thur. Jabal al is plus minus. Let me just estimate quickly. <clears throat> I think it's about under five, between four and a half to five kilometers away from, okay. from the Haram. From where our Nabi stays yes. alhamdulillah. So um, he went Into that direction, he went up to the mountain And he went into a cave And he, he, he hid himself away there for three days And uh, and the Quraysh Actually came to that cave And they, they actually didn't get in there But they were at that particular cave Now just for the listeners sake I just want to describe the cave You understand? I hope I can do that over the airwaves <laughs> <laughs> to The cave right? uh, The cave is Um, If you look at, for example, a a hump, for example, if you look at the hump, um, then if you walk outside the cave, your feet will be, where your feet is, there will be an opening that serves as a window to the cave. So in other words, if you stand on the outside of the cave, you will see an opening, and then if you look through that opening, you will see inside the cave. So it was inside the cave, you will be able to see that person, right? Then you have to walk past that window. And then go down and then turn to your left on a lower level and then you will get the main entrance of the cave. Right? And I hope I did justice to that topic. Our Nabi and our Bakr is inside the cave. And they are sitting and they are waiting and sitting and stuff. And then eventually one of the crash came and his feet was actually by that window. Once our bucket was inside, right? And he could see the feet. In fact, he could smell the smelling of his toes, you understand? If he didn't wash his feet, it would have been very smelly, but nonetheless. And eventually, he was so in shock when he saw the feet of this guy, he grabbed our Nabi and he says, Ya Rasulallah, look at this man. If he just had to look down now, he will see me because you can see clearly in the cave. So our Nabi grabbed the man and he says, says grabbed our bucket and says, Don't worry. What do you think will happen if me and my friend is in this cave? And Allah is the third one with us They will never see you And that one I, I assume that that one did look down But he didn't even see Then he walked And he walked on the other side And then he saw the opening The main entrance of the cave And then he was about to enter And when he's about to enter and approach He saw a web of a spider Right? in the in, On the door, on the opening So he his intelligence actually caused his stupidity, actually. He see, it's not always to be too intelligent because now he's figuring out if anybody had to be in this cave, the spider's web would have been broken. So I don't think there's anyone. I'm not going to waste my time in going in there. Right? So he didn't that. The spider's web actually deterred him. So listen it. I take in it, two things. The one thing is why didn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-Nabi to make hijrah earlier when it was safe for him to leave his house? Right. The, the answer to that one simple is Is that if anybody had to advise him And he had to react to those people's advisors And he had to succeed in his hijrah People, the nature is like that That we actually helped you to do this Yes In, the, in the regards to Anabi's hijrah Nobody could say that they, that they were the cause of it They advised him and he waited until the revelation came And when the revelation came Nobody could help him So Allah was the one who saved him and got him through the thing. The spider's whip was the weakest form of protection Right And if people study the ratio of Allah's powers How we exercise his powers You must always realize that If I need a solution I will get the solution for, it for as long as I don't Specify how I want the solution Right So in other words in the case of Abu Nabi He needed to be protected against the Quraysh So he said Oh Allah protect me So Allah protected him so if, if he had to thought about how, he would have thought of maybe Allah must put a rock and let it fall in front of that opening and let it lay there until the Quran pass. Had he thought of that, there wouldn't have been any protection. But he left it in the hands of Allah. And that is my slogan for, the, for, for Muharram and, and I spoke about it the other day. Is to let it be. If you decide. Allah says in the Quran, If you have decided upon something, then leave it in the hands of Allah. Don't you think of how. So when he lifted the names of Allah Subhanahu Taala, Allah let the spider put his web over there, right? And Allah always uses, if, if, if there's a tyrant, even if there's a force that want to kill you, Allah uses the weakest form of protection to protect you, mm-hmm. or the weakest form of defense to defend you. In the case of the elephants, it was big giant elephants, and Allah used birds tiny little birds with three clay lumps one in the beak and two in the claws and they just released it with never with no any you know um, force behind it It just fell and it killed those people and that is how Allah works He always makes sure to let us understand that for me it is not about what needs to be done and how it should be done it will happen the way I want it to happen and all that he need to say is All that they had to say was be and it will be and that was one of the the, and that is what what we need to take home with us every single day that if we have a challenge with our children with with our neighbors with whatever it is all that we need to do is put it in the hands of Allah and say Allah take care of it for me right and then leave the caring in how Allah is going to take care of it you know because we always think about something must happen to the person, this must fall, that must come, that, no, leave it in Allah and Allah will let it happen for you, inshallah, in the way decently and nicely without any person getting hurt, but the thing will be solved and, and, and that is the one way, inshallah. So they stuck there for three days, Abu was stuck there for three solid days and Abu Bakr's children were the ones who brought the food up every single night and day for them and the one who bring the food, drop it off, and then the other one would come with the goats and the sheep, and walk over his tracks, so that they can't track that somebody walked to that direction, right and then uh, that is how they fed them but uh, one of the miracle things, that the miraculous things that happened during the time when Nabi was in the cave was that Nabi was sleeping on the lap of Abu Bakr his head was resting on the head of Abu Bakr, and in the instance they were both dozing off and then something bit Abu Bakr on his foot. Some say it was a snake. Some say it was a, a scorpion, whatever it can be. But it was something very poisonous. And the poison traveled through his body, and the pain became very
0: unbearable.
1: Yeah, and he started crying, and the tears of crying dripped on the face of Abu Nabi, and it woke Abu Nabi up. And Abu Nabi looked at him and said, "Bakr, why are you crying?" He says, um, you know, "I think something bit me on my foot. Uh, I think that thing is very poisonous, and it might kill me." So Nabi says, Do you know, why didn't you wake me up earlier? So he says to our oh, oh, Nabi, Ya yeah, Rasulullah, oh, for the few days that I've been with you in this cave, today was the first day I saw you slumbering so deeply in sleep. Right? And I didn't feel like disturbing you. So I rather felt I'll bear the pain and i let you rest. Now in heaven's name, who will say something <laughs> Who yes. would do something uh, Allahu Akbar And just for the record said Now Bakr was actually his, his father-in-law You understand Yes He was married to To, to, to Aisha To Aisha And the respect That uh, the two of them had For each other Allahu Akbar And eventually Abu Nabi took his Takhiyah finger Put it on the wound And he recited some dua And the poison got drawn out And with that same food Abu Bakr made hijrah To Madinatul To Munawwara After uh, the third day They came down And they came to the bottom Of the cave in fact, the mountain. And as he came to the bottom of the mountain, Sayyidina Rasul sallallahu alayhi went to a home of, of, of a woman that was living there with her children and her husband was out of town. So Anabi went to the woman and said to the woman, said, don't you have anything to eat? So um, says, she said, no. He said, okay, what about this goat? Is there any, any milk with this goat? Uh, and uh, she says, no. You can, in fact, you can have the goat because the goat is a waste. The goat never brings milk, you understand? So take it. So nabi went to the goat and he started milking the goat. And they say, the moment nabi touched the, 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 touch of, the, of, the of the goat, the milk starts gushing, you understand? And Al-Nabi filled himself, our Bakr filled himself, and the family lived from that goat from that day onwards f- until the goat died eventually. And then they went, they went out of Makkah. And um, as they went out of Makkah, one of the Quraysh came in. Now, let me just get the scenario. In, in, in Makkah, The Quraysh normally go for hunting trips. They were very good hunters. But they sometimes stay away for a month or two. And then when they come back, they will bring back whatever they've got, alhamdulillah. So when our Nabi went out, a hunter came in. So that hunter didn't know what is actually happening in Makkah because he was away now for more than a month. So he doesn't know actually that our Nabi was wanted. He saw our Nabi knows our Nabi. Our Bakr also was. He didn't also know. There was a prize on Abu Salam's neck. Right? So as he came in, he greeted Anabi and he went past Anabi and he went. And as he went out into Makkah, sorry, he saw on the Kaaba, though there is a price, whoever brings Muhammad dead or alive will get a hundred camels. Wow! And he realized he just saw Muhammad. And he could not turn back because the Quraysh will ask him, Why are you turning back? And he didn't want to alarm them that he saw Muhammad because then everybody would rush for this for him, it's a treasure. Yes. So he says, Listen, I must go back because some of my guys are lagging behind. Let me get, get them quickly. And he went out. And he saw Muhammad from behind. And he was about less than two meters away from Rasul And as he was approaching, the earth opened up beneath him and swallowed the horse halfway and clutched the horse into the ground like concrete clutches. And he got stuck right there And Abu just walked on Looked back and walked on Saw him and walked on And he called Ya Muhammad Ya Muhammad And Muhammad didn't pay attention But Abu is a very soft person Right And then he explained He says Ya Rasulallah Ya Muhammad I just came from a hunting expedition And I haven't seen my family For two months or more And uh, I have some goods That I want to return to him Please pray to your God To release me from this So that I can go to my family My children then Anabi's heart became Sorry. soft. He turned back and he looked at this man. And this man says, don't worry. I won't say to anybody that I saw you. I will just go back as normal. So Anabi made dua. Ya Allah released him. And the, the horse came out. Right? He then offered the horse to Anabi. He says, take this horse and go hijrah. Anabi says, read your shahada. He says, no, I don't want to. So Anabi says, I can't take the horse from you. Go back and, and enjoy your life. So he went back, and now went on hijrah. He's uh, said, now Bakr's children they actually prepare the camel, and normally, if a people person make hijrah, what they would do is they would prepare a camel, and the servant will take the camel out and just send it in the direction. So when that guy comes, he will see the camel notice and he will just scoop the camel. So Bakr's children prepare the camel for them, uh, and to 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 with food and stuff so they can make hijrah through the desert. And that is where the hijrah to Rasulullah started from. Alhamdulillah. It was, it was a new beginning. It was a challenge. It was not something easy. When Anabi Sastam left Makkah and he was about to leave and his, Makkah was about to get out of his vision, he turned to Makkah and he started crying and he started crying, crying and he says, Yeah, Makkah. He says, Yeah, Makkah. Oh, Makkah. If it wasn't for these people to have driven me out of you, or me out of you I never would have left you. And, and you know the lesson in these things is you must love your countrymen. Even if you, Aunabi was born in Makkah, but he was resident from Medina, and went to Medina, even loved Medina even more, even afterwards, you must love affectionately your country, love your country. And with love for your country, you will add value to your country. And that is the purpose of life, to add value and not to, you know, to break down and to diminish the quality of your country. That is the purpose of life, to add value to whoever meets you, and whoever you meet, and whoever... Wherever you may stay, inshallah. May Allah In like, grant to fiqh, inshallah. I
0: mean, inshallah. So on that note, uh, to our listeners, we're going to go for ads but we'll be back. Stay tuned. Friday, Nasiha, on the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi and indeed a warm welcome to a Friday Nasihah with Salafiyah Kashif Damon in studio with us, speaking about uh, uh, the Hijrat to Nabi and we um, we heard about Sheikh saying that uh, Nabi and Sayyidina Abu Bakr was in the cave for three days. Now, Sheikh, apart from that three days, what was the, the, the duration of that journey, if I'm, one may ask?
1: The journey of the, the hijrah? Yes. Some ulama said it was over a week, you understand, they had to travel over, over a week that, that distance, you understand, um, with camel. That's what's including the sleeping nights and, and you know uh, the Arabs normally when they travel they travel during the night time because it being hot during the day so they don't move too much so they will cave in the in the day and then and then at night they will embark on the journey so the uh, it's now a departure on this side and it was a, a arrival on the other on the side. side so you must remember that the people of Medina is now also anticipating this man to come and they were worried. Because of the difficulty of the journey for me it is uh, for me and I just want to for the listeners sake I, I I was fortunate enough to to be at one of the museums one of the largest museums in Makkah Medina particularly and um, and uh, I uh, have managed to 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 this this uh, a, a road map not a road map uh, actually literally a, a model of the the road between Mecca and Medina uh, of which be used and then where the road is currently And I just want to tell the listeners Inshallah for those who are traveling between and Medina for Umar and Hajj and stuff like that um, The road that is Used now currently, the new one That is reused currently now um, Obviously the engineers Is from outside Saudi Arabia They're not from inside Saudi Arabia And they have managed to Actually get it very close to The path that will not be used At the time of Hijrah So you must just remember that and and therefore you will feel a lot of similar things uh, And maybe listeners don't take note of this, but because I've been in and out there a lot, you know, you I, 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 I sometimes pick it up like one of the things that our Nabi has experienced when he come from Medina to Makkah or from Makkah to Medina He used to hasten This camel will run faster the last leg and therefore you will feel that when you're driving in a car So you see but now the cars pulling stronger, you understand? And then it is basically because of that because you're very, it's very close. It's it's almost exactly on the same route. And I, and the resting points is similar to resting points our Navi took over his journey. You understand? Uh, very close. And I've seen that they, they showed the road and they saw where the road the, the, the route is that our walked with his camera and stuff. Uh, and they they saw where he stopped and you will see there is total resting places at similar places where our Nabi made I is rests rest when he was on his on his on his journey towards Makkah towards Medina from Makadar Maka. So it's
0: just our trip is way shorter than then it's back then. Much
1: more shorter. We are doing it you can do it within three and a half hours if you're going fast enough. If you go even faster you can do it in two and a half. Mullah illa hailallah, don't try that. That is going at two hundred and twenty <laughs> kilometers per hour. That is killing speed. But uh, the buses normally take between four and a half to about six hours if they're going at that speed of 90. So, Alhamdulillah, in one day you can do that trip finish, inshallah. Um, in regards to um, the untold stories, that uh, is actually what, 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 what mm, not worries me, but I would love to know, inshallah. Uh, the untold stories between our Nabi and our Bakr, Bakr on mm-hmm. that journey. The incidences that the two of them went through and the moments in the conversation and all those kind of things to be together for so long, only two people. I, can you imagine the, uh, the miracles and the things that is. And you know, Abakar wasn't, uh, you know, he's such a man that doesn't speak about those kind of things. You will see he's not a very f- easy speaker. He just keep quiet and he just observed and he learned. And He, he was the protector. for Abakar uh, was one of the protectors of Onabi. So he volunteered to protect Onabi. And therefore he made sure that whatever happens to Anabi, he wants to be there to be the one that protects him if anything goes wrong. So is the amount of love that he had. And just a little bit on our Nabi and our Bakr's life for the listeners' sake. You know, the ulama, they speak and they say that if you look at two persons being friends, you get two buddies that is very close friends. There's no friendship. There's no friendship between two persons greater than the friendship between our Bakr and Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It's amazing. They say, it is a friendship that nobody could explain. And they, and Anabis, no one would have friends that would be as close to what Abu Bakr was to me and I to Abu Bakr. They say when Abu Bakr was in Medina, in Makkah, sorry, um, he always just wanted to be. He spent most of his time with Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi he, he didn't spend, anyway, most of the time, where do we spend our time? With our family, with our wives and stuff. He spent most of his time with our Nabi When he wakes up, the next point is to go to our Nabi hmm. And uh, alhamdulillah Every moment that he had or Our Nabi had, he was there In other words, if it was With the spitting of the moon, for example When the spitting of the moon came The king came from, from outside and he said Listen, I want to test this man I want to test Muhammad to see if he's a true Nabi So they say, ask how are you going to test us? So he says, I will test him but if he can split the moon. So the Quraysh thought, wow. So they sent the message to Rasulullah, listen, we want to see you. Now the idea was not the fact that they wanted to see him, the idea was that it, they thought that if our Nabi is going to go, they're going to kill an Nabi. So everybody was saying, no, you can't go. We're not going to allow you to go. We're not going to do this. No, no, no. al Bakr said, no, you're not going. So then when everybody said no, revelation came by Jibril Jib- Jib- and Jibril says, you must go. Allah wants you to go So then they thought Okay now it is clear So then Abu Bakr was the first one to say that, If you go then I want to go with you, hmm. you understand? And so when they ask him Why you want to go you know? So he says If anything happens to this man I want to be there when it happens And I want to take it on his behalf I will protect him with my body You understand So that is the commitment Abu Bakr had to this man Rasulullah And they were friends eh? They weren't blood related people They were friends Now how do you get who Where you get friends like that And then in Medina The other way around When Abu Bakr was now, Abu Bakr was a He was a very nice guy Obviously he was a nice guy <laughs> But he was he, he had One curl on him He got one something on him And the thing is that he, he always When he says something He didn't want somebody to oppose him If he says it's white Then he, he doesn't want somebody to say No it must be cream so that was his way. He had the on him. So him and Omar always to fall out. Always used to fall out. Right? And, um, and uh, whenever our Nabi see Abu Bakr, <laughs> his face was right, then he knew somebody <laughs> fiddled with him. And our Nabi would not ask Abu Bakr what happened. What our Nabi would do is our Nabi would go and find out who was the one that did this to him. So he would go around and ask, What's with Abu Bakr now? Who is with Abu Bakr? Until he get that person and say, Why did you do this to him? And even Omar was many a times, around him, why, why did you do this to Abu Bakr? Yeah. And then all the people, the Sahabi, They they they, they, they picked it up. And they became, this, not disturbed, They were, they became, technically, in a, They became worried. Why? Because it's, that's not our nature of our Nabi. The nature of our Nabi was, That if something is wrong with someone, he would find out by the person what's wrong. He will go to the person involved and ask what's what his story, and then he will try to resolve the situation. Yes. But in the case of Abu Bakr, whenever Abu Bakr's face is not right, he will go to the person and sort him out. And so might give him tongue and say to him. The so they built up courage and they said, No, we must confront Rasulullah. It's just not him. You know, it doesn't work like that. Why is it only with Abu Bakr? So Nabi was approached by the company. They built up courage. It took long for him to do this. So, says, Ya Rasulullah, I want to ask you something now, man. Um, why is it when Abu Bakr, is, n- his face not right, you always assume somebody did something wrong uh-huh. to him, and you always take his side. You never listen to the other person's side. So, so Nabi, no. he was sitting back, laying back. When they asked that question, he stood up, he sat up, he moved his chair, right? And he's looked, in, he's looked up at him and said, listen here, yeah, let me tell you something now. Let me tell you something now. There was a time in my life when every, including all of you, belied me. And this man believed me. So I'm telling you now, I'm telling you guys now, whatever you're going to do with Abu Bakr and against him, I will stand with him, irrespective if he's wrong. I will stand with him. I will give my life for him. So they said, wow, now we're not going to bother with bucket Bakar anymore. But Umar wasn't the one that, that stepped back. He was always giving our Bakar a story. <laughs>
0: <Aloha>. <laughs> Sheikh and our listeners on that net we need to go first. And when we come back, we're going to our final segment where Sheikh will conclude as well as making dua for those who are celebrating a birthday and who are and, you know, currently also not in the best of health, inshallah. And ami. I see that we do have a few names as well, Sheikh. Ami, ami. <laughs> on The Voice of the Cape Assalamu alaikum and indeed a warm welcome to Anasihah program We have Sheikh Kashif Daman in studio with us and Sheikh. Um, just before we make dua um, to uh, bring about the conclusion for this morning's program mm-hmm. inshallah.
1: Uh, in regards to the Hijrah, just as a in conclusion, inshallah uh, It's a in migration from, from a situation where the Muslims were oppressed and, and To, a, to a, a situation where Muslims could live freely and when they could live freely They could practice jinn more easily And more new teachings came about And more new um, applications came about And that is actually what is important for us to, to realize that. Um, when our Nabi sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam uh Advises us to change our condition It sometimes needs to come from A change of environment as well Like sometimes if you ch- uh, Many a times when a situation Where children are living in a situation Where they are exposed to bad elements And stuff like that if you want to change them Try to get them out of the environment And that is the biggest step towards change So that is one thing Alhamdulillah uh, The other thing is that Medina's life in terms of, of What it offered us It offered us tolerance It offers of, us akhlaq How to live with Christians And, and, and Jews yes. and, and, and different denominations How to appreciate life And how to deal in business With other people And, and that is actually Our situation here In South Africa it's a classical situation of what Medina was like when our Nabi came there. So yes. if we really want to learn lessons of how to behave, don't study the life of Makkah, study the life of Medina. Then you will see how our Nabi lived with the, Qurey- with the Jews, with the Christians, and with, with the Majusi, the fire worshippers. how he lived with him, how he deal- dealt with him, how he appreciated them, and how he interacted with him. And that is what it is all about, inshallah. Mm-hmm. And we ask Allah to protect, inshallah, mm-hmm. all our Muslims, and guide us towards wisdom that is required for us to build a nation. Um, Amen,
0: inshallah. Sheikh, then um, for those who are not too well, this one says, to please make dua for Rashida Islam, uh, she's very sick, and almost must ease her pain, inshallah.
1: Amen.
0: And uh, um, then this one then may request the Ummah to make dua for Rabia Adams. Um, it says, Rabia Adams Sheikh from Cravenby, sister of Habiba Adams, and she will. Um, she's very ill in Tigardville Hospital and will be undergoing emergency surgery today and Amen. comes from the Adams family. And then the Ummahs requested to make dua for Sheikh, H. Simon's, also known as Yidi Boy from Scottish Grove in Bwaka, who is not well and currently in City Park Hospital Amen. Then there's a birthday request here that says to uh, Murad Gaby from his parents, brothers, sisters and uh, Hamid and Fozia Gaby as I well we? Then share to my mom and your mom who's also not too well my them, she found she I'm also not forgetting um, Yes, we also have two birthdays at home, that is my daughter Andra, who celebrated her yesterday, 19 yes, yes. and my, um, my fifth daughter, Fatia she celebrated her birthday on the 19th Amen. Yeah, I also
1: want to mention the Warda, uh, my sister in law, Warda Salabdurman. Her birth is also today, inshallah. Good life, inshallah, and obedience, and, and, and lots of barakat in the wealth. Amen, I inshallah.
0: Amen, inshallah.
1: الفاتحة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على شفعنا سيدنا ونبينا مولانا محمد صلى, صلى الله عليه وعلى اله وصحبه جمعين اللهم اشفي مرضانا اللهم اشفي مرضانا اللهم اشفي مرضانا أم. وارحم موتانا يا رب الناس مذب الباس اشف لا شفاء الا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر سقما الله الكريم رب العرش العظيم يشفينا ويشفي مرضى المسلمين أم. اللهم اغفر جميع الموتى المسلمين أم. الذين شهدوا لك بالوحدانية ونبيك بالرساله وماتوا على ذلك اللهم قبرهم روضة من رياض الجنان <تصفيق> ولا تجعل قبرهم خفرة من خفر النيران الله مم. مغفر لهم وارحم وسكنوا في الجنه مم. اللهم لهم في عمرهم وأسعدهم في دينهم مم. ووسع لهم في رزقهم ويصلهم في أمور الدنيا والآخرة وارحمهم بالصباب يا مولانا يا رب العالمين مم. اللهم اجعلهم من الصالحين واجعلهم مم. من المتقين واجعلهم مم. من الذين يستمعون القول فليتبعن احسنا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد الله ان شاء
0: الله شكرا سمير السلام عليكم السلام شباب لها سؤال إن شاء الله